There we go. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 94 of the Overtime Podcast. And we were just talking, I think, out of the last 94 weeks, we missed one of them. So 95 weeks ago, we started the Overtime Podcast. Because I went on vacation. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we got to rest, right? Um, so hey, welcome to our podcast, which every week, usually Ben's sitting in this chair. Smelling but, my pickle. He yeah, he's, 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 he's judging Josh for uh, all the food that he eats during the podcast, usually. Uh, but usually, uh, he's here, but he's on vacation this week, and we're so glad but for that. But he's probably watching, for he's, sure. He totally <laughs> hey, wants to see us. How you doing, Ben? Uh, he's going to judge us and see how we do today without him. Yeah. But uh, anyway, welcome to episode 94 of this uh, podcast every Tuesday around noon is when uh, we usually jump uh, a bit deeper into what we covered the Sunday before. And so if you are curious as to what uh, this last service was about, you can go to clcfamily.church/media and you can find the sermon there. Um, but it was week 10. Was it week 10? Yeah, week 10. Week 10 of our better sermon series. And so we got a few more weeks left. Um, but today... Uh, we are diving into this last weekend, um, and so we're excited to do that. But before we do so, per usual, we got a couple announcements that we'd like to share with you guys. First one, if you like skating, or even if you don't like skating and you know someone who does like skating, uh, tomorrow night, the student ministry has sponsored an event that's open for everyone, not just students, but families, kids. Anyone can come to the Christiana uh, Skating Center tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. And we've literally rented the whole place out. And so you can just show up. We recommend bringing a couple bucks for skate rentals. What is that $4? $4. Or you can bring your own if you have your own skates. Polish them. Yeah, you can get them ready. You can practice today. Get that mustache ready. Yeah, I actually trimmed my beard for this moment. So I'm really excited about it. It was really long. But tomorrow, 6.30, all you got to do is show up, bring a couple bucks for skates, bring your own skates. And you can bring some money for food. They got some really wonderful junk food. Yeah, they do. Hot dogs. Uh, so uh, show up tomorrow. Again, that's for everybody. So we invite you to join us for that. I did also want to mention that if you've been in the CLC recently, you've seen our really awesome garden that some wonderful people in the church have pulled together. But then there's also right at the corner of Louisville and Saginaw, there's this new booth that's called the Sharing Table. And that is for anybody with extra <laughs> produce, fruits, vegetables, anything that you you'd like to kind of give and share with the community, you can, can just bring it and put it in this booth and anyone who has a need can come and take from this booth. Uh, I think it's a really, really cool way to share our resources, yeah. to let the community know that, hey, we're here and we care for you, we love you. But then it's also a really great opportunity for church members like yourself to throw something in there to share it with the community. So those are two things I wanted to mention. Would you like to speak a bit to this Sunday for Lincoln University? Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> for a few years now, we've been partnering with our friends at Lincoln University, the oldest historically black college university in the nation, in 1854 mm. to help them move in their new freshmen. And so new freshmen show up this Sunday to move into campus. And this last year we didn't get to do it because of COVID and all the complications of it. But this year we're back at it. And usually they do it on Saturday. This year they, because uh, of their scheduling, uh, needed to do it on a Sunday. Now they'll start moving in freshmen at nine. But what we want to challenge you all to do, and you'll hear more about it this Sunday, is to help move in the freshmen by showing up between 11 and 4, you can show up for the whole time, you can show up for an hour, you can show up for two, whatever you want to do, over at Lincoln University, you can pull over to the chapel, we'll give you a map, you'll see it coming up, but just plan on, if you can, next Sunday, showing up and helping these uh, freshmen and their parents move in, it's a really neat thing, and you go, well, I can't move stuff, that's okay, yeah. uh, they need help pointing people in the right direction, handing out room assignment keys, all that stuff, so there will be a slot for you, we don't know much more, we're kind of just... Uh, responding to the request that came in last week from Lincoln and trying to respond to their needs as they show up so you can help with that. Uh, look for this Wednesday's Everything You Need to Know, which is an email that goes about in the middle of the week to highlight one specific thing at our church. If you don't get that newsletter or email, you can go to clcfamily.church forward slash news, I think, yep. and sign up for that, access it, all those things. So everything you need to know should yep. come out on Wednesday to get more details, but then show up this Sunday during the 9 o'clock service and or online tune in. You can hear all the information up to date that we'll have. So that will be this upcoming Sunday. 
between 11 and 4. Yeah. We'd love for you to do that. If you got a uh, Connect, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, if you got a, a CLC family shirt, would love, love, love. I said Connect, like that, the first church I planted. That's yeah. kind of the weird thing. Uh, the CLC family shirt, you should bring it where, if not, we have one for you. You can stop by the church anytime during the week and pick yep. one up or get one next Sunday that you can wear for next Sunday's yep. movie. So that's what's going on. Yeah, great way to spend Sunday. You can come hang out here with us on a Sunday morning and then afternoon. We'll go ahead and serve the community. So that's this Sunday. Again, you should be getting info in your inbox if you are kind of signed up for that stuff. So um, that's all we have there. Uh, let's jump into this last weekend sermon, which again was week 10 in the Better series, but probably week like 60 or something for yeah, the, Luke, good, yeah. the Luke series. Uh, would you mind doing kind of an overview of everything we covered? Yeah, so I don't know what week we're on. Week 60 yeah. of the Luke, week 10 of the Better, and week 2 of a three-part series on stewardship. Now, you didn't know it was a series I on stewardship, but it is kind of what the scriptures are yeah. kind of highlighting. So within this Better series, uh, last week, this week, and we'll kind of... I don't know if we'll put a bow on it, but hmm. definitely put some more steps into making the right choice as it relates to being a steward of our resources. Yeah. So the big idea of what we learned this week is that your stress, your stress is connected to your stuff. And so Jesus has this really neat conversation with his disciples about the chaos of the world and all their worries and all their fears and all their anxieties. And he he directly kind of addresses their fear. And what I told you this week is fear typically comes from one of three places, not getting what we want, getting what we want, losing it, or getting what you don't want. And so what happens if you have these fears of not getting what you want, getting what you want, or this fear of losing the things that you love? I share with you about my family. Couldn't imagine that. Or uh, getting what you don't want, a bad diagnosis, a, a you know, termination letter, layoff letter, whatever those things. So what do we do as we think about those things and how do we respond? And Jesus is, I mean, it's brilliant. That's why you should read the scriptures. Offer some advice and point our eyes in a different direction than just about anyone else in the whole world would tell you what to do with your stress and your worry. A lot of times we do this self-actualization and all this stuff. And he doesn't tell us to look within ourselves. He tells us to set our eyes and mind on something else. And what he tells us to set our mind and eyes on is what we've actually been studying for the last uh, 60 weeks, which is the kingdom of God. And so fear is this something we struggle with. So how do we deal with fear? Well, there's some really good ways. It's setting our eyes and mind and heart on the kingdom of God, really neat. So that's how we deal with fear and the manifestation of fear in our bodies, which is anxiety. So how do we deal with those things? We set our eyes on something different. Well, how do you know if you do it? Well, you can tell by your stuff. How do you steward your stuff? How do you view your stuff? How do you respond to the stuff that you have? And so Jesus is going to tell us to exchange the things that we don't really need, our possessions, uh, for the good of our world to actually experience and receive what we really do need, which is the kingdom of God in us and around us. And so we challenged you, challenged each other to figure this out as last week Jesus told us to be rich towards God. So how do you be rich towards God? Well, you look at your stuff and view it through the lens of the kingdom of God. And so I'm sure we'll talk some more about how to do that practically and what our hesitancies are in that. So thanks for joining us for this time. Yeah, and so you don't have to look far in the world to realize there's an overabundance of worry and anxiety and fear. And so I feel like a sermon like this was very uh, poignant and relevant to maybe what a lot of us are experiencing. And so... um, That's interesting because I had all these stats I was going to tell you about like antidepressants and all that kind of stuff yeah. and how many people and it's like but I didn't when I was afraid as in talking about that it just would create sh- shame in our people sure. right because it's sure. like wait I deal with that wait yeah, I do yeah. what about that chemical imbalance and I was like okay that, instead of trying to wrestle through all that let's go a little bit broader we'll narrow it yeah. down a little bit this upcoming week and get a little bit broader of going let's actually view what we should be looking at and yeah. the way by which we do it two big steps this week and choosing better choosing that next right step where you get to choose freedom over fear mm-hmm. like you don't have to choose fear you can choose freedom through the kingdom of god and the way that you do that the way that you actually combat worry is actually in worship offering Mm -hmm. our bodies offering our things as sacrifices for the kingdom of god and so let's figure out how to do that together yeah so um so let's just jump into the the passage here unless you have any other intro stuff you want to cover nope okay uh so uh yeah so we have this this teaching of jesus where he's actually addressing this topic of worry fear and anxiety and he kind of just jumps right into it and maybe points to the very things that people are anxious about do you want to talk a little bit about that? yeah so what's interesting is jesus if you remember from last week jesus has just, we hit the ground running. I talked about Lincoln, so I didn't get to do much of a review, which I actually love the review time. 
But if we remember where he came from last week, some guy asked Jesus to divide up his inheritance. In other words, tell my older brother to give me some of the stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. And so Jesus breaks into this messy parable. And at the end of the parable, this guy kind of dies. If you remember, I blew up a balloon and just talked about this guy who got so fat and happy and finally made the yeah. statement of finally I'll eat, drink, and be merry, and yeah. finally I'll relax. And he goes, you fool. He literally calls the guy insane. Now, it's a parable. So it's a make-believe guy. You insane. You fool. You, you are insane. Literally, the word means foaming at the mouth. For tonight, your soul will be required of you. In other words, you spend all your focus and time on those things. Your eyes have been set on those things, but they actually can't satisfy you. Mm. And even if they could satisfy you, they can't save you. Right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's alliteration. Yeah. Right? Memorable. And, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's, uh, so they can't do those things. And so you can imagine they hear that and he says, therefore, be rich towards God. Now, what's the response to the disciples in that moment? I can imagine, like, what, what, you mean, there's this God who can just take my life? What if he takes my life? What, what, yeah. do, what, do, what do I do? Like, all this kind of panic. And so Jesus yeah. is literally going to get right to what the, the emotion that they were feeling already. And he yeah. says, therefore, as a result of this, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body what you'll put on. So he's just told this parable where this guy finally had enough reserves that he could rest. And then he says, you fool, you're going to miss out on that. Who's will that even be towards? Because you're not going to have it. So you can imagine they're probably feeling some anxiety around. And then the next thing he tells them is that they're not allowed to, that they should not feel anxiety. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when you just tell someone not to feel it, it's not like it just goes away, right? Like one of the things that... (laughs) us as broken parents do our kids will be panicking and we'll just go you're fine you're fine no they're not fine and you just telling them they're fine is not going to help you can look at them take a deep breath and go hey everything's going to be okay but you can just tell them something that's not the case and usually when you tell them to do something in that moment this kind of what bubbles out of them is some kind of defiance so he's going to hit them and go i mean hit on this not hit them physically therefore do not be anxious he's telling them don't be anxious and then he goes right down to like the the base fears for these guys like literally starving to death was a real fear and and for most of us we don't have this experience but there are people in this world who do yeah and can you imagine what that experience must be like to like be so hungry like that's where cannibalism comes from and all these kind of things there's all sorts of brokenness but that level and he's going to say don't worry about these two basic needs whether or not you're going to eat which they are worried about whether they're not going to eat and whether or not they're going to actually be able to clothe their body that was rare and and like especially like extra clothes and washing so he's going to hit to these two which are basic literal needs for these people and they're he's going to tell them not to worry about it. Yeah. And so you can imagine they're going, what? Of course we worry about Especially that. Especially like after our, the parable. Yeah, our yeah. whole life is spent yeah. worrying about these things. If you could add something to this list for the 21st century reader of the scriptures, because I know you kind of identify that we have so much yeah. more stuff than they did back yeah. then. So if, if if Jesus could speak to some of the things that we obsess about oh, today, yeah, 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 yeah. what do you think would be added to this list? I think you would say... Uh, do not worry or be anxious about what others think about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting, but like that is, like even if you survey, you know better than I do in this because you're more in that circle, but a few years ago there was a study that goes, what is it that kids hope for when when they're in the future? Is it it, uh, money? Is it wealth? Is it power? It's fame. Yeah. It's fame. Like this whole idea of being an influencer is so highly valued and like my age looked at that and kind of pokes fun at it like but so but we had our own things like for me it was it was money and wealth right Mm -hmm. it's we grew up playing monopoly and you knew the way to be successful was to you know get all the all the uh, property and get all the houses or you played the game of life and you knew in the game of life what you do is you gather a bunch of education Mm -hmm. right and so we had these things. And so kids right now, it's certainly, at least that's what the evidence shows a couple of years back, was yeah. that they really, really long for fame. So I mm-hmm. think you would say, do not worry and do not be afraid of what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll drive, what you'll live in, and what people will think of you. Think about yeah. this. Like even some of the reasons that we don't do the countercultural thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, just as simple as why does your kid have a phone? Mm-hmm. Well, you'd like to tell yourself, and I, I'm speaking personally here, that it's, ultimately so I can stay in contact with my kid, which, one, indicates a level of control for me, right? I didn't know what's going on. In fact, when he was at uh, Six Flags, or not, yeah, first or last yeah. I was texting him, like, hey, how are you doing? Where are you at? Was he texting you back? Yeah. He was texting yeah. me back. Like, honestly, I was watching the clock, and 
keeping up with where he was because I just was nervous about, I mean, yeah. we just driving him. Then yeah. I watched the follow my friends yeah. all the way home. So I was ready to get <laughs> him. Like I just, this idea of putting my kid in someone else's care, even though sure. I trust you guys, it's just yeah. hard for me, right? So we'd like to say, some of that's that, but we'd like to say just to keep in touch. But ultimately, another thing that's deeper, a little deeper down for us is uh, we don't want our kids to be the only one without the phone, hmm. right? Like that's that's a painful, awkward place. And mm-hmm. so we don't want our kid to feel awkward about what his friends think sure. of him, right? Or a lot of why we cut our grass is because our neighbor just cut their grass. Like there's just <laughs> oh, all these things. And Jesus yeah. is going, you're focused on these <laughs> things. So don't worry what others think yeah. of you, yeah. I think would be a really big one. Yeah. You got any that yeah. you think of? Uh, I also also think like um, uh, well I guess it ties back into that because I'm thinking like education status is still some for some people those are big priorities like feeling comfortable and things like that which I guess goes back to the money and kind of what's in your closet and all that stuff Um, but I think a lot of that you kind of hit on the head I think it draws back to that um, because even when it comes to food and clothing a lot of that even in the 21st century goes back to what do people think of me if they see me kind of trying to collect resources for free because I need it that'll look bad for me and so yeah. yeah i think that i don't know i think so status or status however yeah. do you say status or status, status. status. I, I, think right I think it's status yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think so too but i yeah. heard someone else say status yeah. and so but uh so that is such a high level and yeah. we do it we all do it like sure. because uh, kind of what we're seeing originates yeah. and i think this is very distilled the simplification i think reductionism is dangerous at times mm-hmm. but this is what i've deduced it to it has everything to do with not trusting god yeah yeah, yeah. right either with our future Mm-hmm. Or with our value, right? So why do we lie? Why do you lie about your weight? Because you're not so confident that God has determined your value, mm-hmm. and so therefore, if you're ten pounds lighter, somehow you're more valuable, sure, sure. right? Or why do you lie about your resume or your past, you know, performances? Yeah. Because something about our value. Now, why do you lie about whether or not you stole something or whether or not you looked at that thing to your yeah. spouse, whatever? Because you are concerned about what the ramifications of that will be for your future, yeah, yeah. right? And so, so much of what we do is we don't trust God mm-hmm. with our uh, value. And our future. Yeah. So what we see is God, Jesus going, don't worry, don't fear, don't be anxious, yeah. don't sin. And the result is because we don't trust God, that God's going to provide for us or yeah. that God is going to protect us in the future. Yeah. So here we are in the middle of that. So even our status is going, well, I don't really trust God has deemed me as valuable. Yeah. So if you can wrestle with, I mean, we can just reduce all of it. And as we're going to go here, really glad to, though. Like so much of what we're facing in our world right now has everything to do with our identity. Hmm. So much of our identity, how we're identified, our pronouns, our sexuality, our preferences, our connection in, in relationships. Yeah. All of those things has to do with how we identify yeah. ourselves and how other people identify us. So one of the big pains for people is you don't identify me the way that my identity needs to be identified with. Yeah, yeah. So you have all that. And I'm not, this isn't, this is not, this is not a broken in that level it's on a much deeper level it's because we haven't found identity rooted in christ so if you are a parent one of the dangers is just telling your kids to behave or not do something because then their identity might actually be in their ability to perform correctly not their identity in who christ has made them so what jesus is going to do he's going to know you can't look anywhere else for these things including your food and your comfort and your security where you look where you're going to set your mind is on the kingdom of god which is an alternative to this current kingdom. And so we're going to talk real specifically about what Jesus came to do and how he came to do it and how we're ready for that this upcoming week. But we'll yeah. get there when we get there. Yeah, so, so you'll have to come out for that um, this weekend. Um, so let's talk um, about, so Jesus uh, is really good at illustrations, really good no. teacher in this regard. Um, he taught, he brought up some examples and it kind of points to creation and in order to kind of illustrate why they, uh, the disciples and people in general, us should not worry, he points to creation. Can you unpack that a bit? Enjoy yeah, so day. I love this pickle. Yeah. I actually <laughs> ate a hot dog beforehand. I Did plan on really? eating it right here as I talked about the Sunday, but I've actually had people say I can't. I had to cut it off because I couldn't watch you eat a hot, a hot dog. dog. So I'm never maybe a cheeseburger. Do you I, think I, don't do, I don't do. I don't do. Slice of bur- slice of pizza. I don't. I don't do uh, carbs. Oh, okay. So okay. I don't eat any bread, right? Yeah. So no, I can't do that. So that's, but anyway, so. But when we look at this, and so Jesus is going to kind of attach it to these very specific things, and this is yeah. really, really important to understand. Uh, it's so much. I mean, at some point, I'm just going to do a series just on Romans 1. Maybe it'll just be Wednesday nights or something that we just spend, I don't know, six months talking about Romans 1. But in Romans 1, we kind of get this understanding that God says what happens is, one, the most fearful word, like the most fearful words in all the scriptures, I think, where it says, and he turned them over to their desires. Meaning at some point God goes, okay, have at it. It's just devastating to think about. But one of the things that he talks about is that, 
it's not like no one can, well, it's not like God hasn't revealed himself. He's used creation to reveal himself and his majesty and his might. If you open your eyes, you'll see it. But what Paul tells us in Romans 1, but the problem is they stopped worshiping creator and instead focused on creation. And so we have this moment where exactly that, Jesus is going to use creation, not as the penultimate, or the, not even the second thing, but the, the ultimate goal or the penultimate goal, not any of those things, but as an illustration yeah. for a better way. And so give us an understanding of, well, you know, even when we think about extraterrestrial real life, you go, well, why in the world? There's so many universes. That must therefore mean there are aliens out there. Maybe there are. I don't know, right? But but the reality is, the scriptures tell us the reason that that's out there is so you could see the bigness and the vastness. Everything about creation, everything you yeah. look at, gives us a better understanding of God. And so Jesus is actually going to take a moment to show creation to give us a better understanding of who God is. And mm -hmm. so he takes these these really interesting things. He takes a dirty bird, yeah. a dirty bird, and points out this bird that typically represents death. Yeah. If they could view it in the way Jesus wants them to view it, they could see how it rec represents life yeah. and an abundance yeah. of life. And so, yes, this is, again, most brilliant teacher in the world. Yeah. And so if you think about even Dave Ramsey or others going to talk about finances, while they have a biblical understanding or someone who doesn't, the way that Jesus hits at an issue and clearly helps them understand it is pretty brilliant here. Yeah. And so he goes, look at these birds. No, specifically ravens. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not yeah, eagles. Yeah, so the first time I kind of said that, I'm going, you know, usually I talk about <laughs> God used the ravens, but I mean, yeah. think about uh, who is it? Ed, Edgar Allan Poe, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You just think about the the oh, illustrations yeah. of ravens. Now, I'm not saying this is the case, but he's teaching outside. Yeah. The possibility of them encountering a dead animal and these ravens who are feeding after the death. No, yeah. this is really interesting to think about. Because that is kind of how the enemy works. And like literally he's called the Lord of the flies or yeah. the Lord of the dung. Meaning he's the Lord of those maggots and those nasty things that yeah. feed off of death and destruction. Yeah. Super gross. And so he's going to now use a bird to go, these ravens who feed off of death. Yeah. Who come into the whole world looking at death and eating it. He's going to see them. Do you ever see them worry about those things? And yeah. so he goes, uh, uh, so he goes, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And then, see what he gets to? How much more value are you than them? Hmm. So his answer to this isn't not just that he feeds them. His answer to this is for them to understand their value. Yeah, which goes back to the identity and That's what right. you were talking about earlier. So, okay, yeah. your value is in you are far more valuable than that. So he points them to that. They may very yeah. well have been able to look at it. A crowd of a thousand, they might, literally, he might have leveraged this bird because it's looming overhead yeah. right now. And the reason it's looming overhead is because death is also looming, mm -hmm. right? And so here it is, death is staring us down. And he points out and goes, they're not worried about that. And then he actually points out two really interesting things. So nor reap. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a agrarian society. Their security came in their ability to plant stuff. Yep. Right. Think about even the parable last week. He uses this rich guy. But how was he rich in his land? So these guys would have understood. Like many of us think that our value is in our resume, our 401k, yep. or in our job. Most of us find our identity, my generation north, yep. find our identity in our work. Yep. Most of the generation right behind me south find their identity in their followers or their likes or their their identity there, right? Mm -hmm. So he's going to point and go, look, this is how you think you earn your salvation. And by the way, your identity, it's in reaping and sowing. You plan it, you do the hard work, and if you do all of the hard work long enough, you'll you'll reap the reward. Yeah. Now, I'm speaking to a generation above me yeah. who that was instilled in them. Hard work, hard work, hard work. You work hard and there's a good return. You work hard and there's a good return, right? And so hardwired deep in us as in same thing in the first century this shame honor culture was you do the hard work you do the hard work you do all the work and then you reap it now think about even the amish community there is this effort there's this amount of workload that creates this security and reward mm -hmm. right and so he is saying now these birds they don't do any of that they're not doing that you know what they do they fly around till they see Something that's popped into their vision, and they go and they get it. Yeah, yeah. They, that's just how they live, right? And he goes, see that? They don't think about those things. And in creation, I still wired it where they would eat. Yeah. So there'd still be availability. There's not a scarcity of those things for those birds. It's available. Mm -hmm. And do you not think you're more valuable than yeah, they are? Yeah. So he's just, again, hitting at their security and their identity. And is that uh, is this in relation to kind of what you're talking about? Uh, you said positional holiness. 
Do you talked a bit about that yeah. and how that is a bit different? Would you mind explaining that a little bit? Thank you, because I actually went back. I, I made two mistakes. I always go back and listen to it. Yeah. Oh, I made more on that probably. But the one thing is I talked about Kirby Smart at Georgia creating 30 hours, and then I went to minutes. It was 30 minutes a day. If I was talking about, you know, this practice Stay, facility. Yeah. But um, in this, I said there's two things you got to know the difference in, and I mentioned one. I forgot the other. I just kept going. <laughs> the first one is uh, positional holiness. What that means is you, uh, this whole idea of your value, Jesus paid the price for your sin, meaning when you accept that free gift that he has offered us in his covering, he goes, I will cover you. You just need to acknowledge that I am Lord and you allow it to cover you. And then from that point forward, the way by which my heavenly father, because this is an identity thing, you're in the family, views you is through my work. Really, really important. He doesn't view us through our work. This is actually this covenant of redemption, right? Covenant of works kind of tells us that we had this plan and we messed it up. But the covenant of redemption says that yet Jesus covers us. So the minute you're now viewed through Jesus' work, you're scoring a perfect score. The person who's taken the test on behalf of you is Jesus, which means you make 100. In that moment, you make 100 before God. You are perfect and blameless. Because Jesus is turning in his test that you're being graded on for your whole life and whether or not you get to participate in the kingdom on your perfection is actually on Jesus' work. So the minute we go, okay, Jesus, we accept that. Yeah. It is not our performance. In that moment, you have a new position and your new position is a son and daughter of the king. Yeah. Right? That is positional holiness. And yet, as we're that way, we also know that we are not perfect yet. So there's this other type, also starts with a P, and, uh, called progressive holiness. Interesting, yeah. Ed Stetcher goes, we should be teaching more theological terms. You know how, the, how to say all those complicated names in Starbucks when you order a drink. Yeah. Why don't you know <laughs> theological terms? That's and these a good aren't. point. Yeah. So, um, so you got positional holiness, meaning at that point God teaches you, and progressive holiness means little by little, day by day. Jesus is making you more like himself. It's a little by little, day by day. And so what you're seeing is Jesus going, so we got to understand that at this moment, our value is perfect and complete. But that's not when you go, oh, now it's going to do now. He's going, no, no, no. Little by little, he is actually making more of himself known to you and taking over more parts of your life. That's so hard to imagine in a culture where everything is kind of, we almost base everything naturally on our works and how we perform and do instead of just being a son and and daughter of God. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get a little further down about the you of little faith. Yeah. When we get there. Yeah. But, yeah. So, so first he starts with food. Yeah. yeah. So, and speaking of food, I wanted to kind of ask a question I was mentioning earlier. Yeah. Um, sometimes I watch sermons and I think, what would a high schooler ask? Just or what would a middle schooler ask? Because I'm a student pastor and that's what yeah. I try and figure out. And so I can imagine some people, especially because we live in a, a technology world where we can see, we can access almost anything where we can see some of these things happening, even if it's not in our own little world. And so what would we, you know, how would we respond to someone who says, hey, what about people who are legitimately starving? All right. You can, you can look to other countries where actually there are statistics, people starve to death. Even Amer- in America, there are populations of people who do experience this, even though maybe uh, for many of us in our own world, we, we don't come face to face with this. And so um, how do we navigate that? And, you know, who? I don't want to say who's to blame, but like, how are we supposed to reconcile that perhaps? So I don't, it's dangerous to say who's to blame. I I want to really quick, but I can say what's the solution. Sure. So not who's to blame, but what's the solution. And let's think about this. So let's think about this world that we live in. This is not the world that God had orchestrated. In the beginning, he spoke the world into existence and it was perfect. Perfect identity, perfect everything. Adam and Eve, they got to work because... It was, they get to partner with God in his kingdom, right? Yeah. It wasn't toilsome and laborious, but it was still work. And yeah. so they were working and everything is perfect. It says God walked in the garden cold night. And so the first thing you see that God creates, and we talk about this a good bit, is God creates humans and then he creates marriage. Marriage was his plan and then he creates family. In other words, God's plan was to have families yeah. grow up, human growth and development within a family unit, like with parents, right? Yeah. There's lots to be said about the brokenness of our world in terms of how that has been messed up. So God does that. And then, and then the fall happens, and now you see some responses to the fall. God creates rules and laws, right? Mm-hmm. More of them, not just one, but lots of them, rules yeah. and laws. God creates commandments, and then the people go, we need judges to help kind of filter through and understand and discern God's word. So yeah. God creates them, another institution, these judicial-type systems, mm-hmm. the way by which you navigate these written words now. So God gave them written words after he gave marriage and family, and then everything gets read. Yeah. Written words, written promises, uh, judges, and then they go, we don't want judges 
want kings. So God then creates nations, mm-hmm. all these different things. But in all of them, the problem is in every single one of them, they don't solve the problem because they're flawed. Because mm-hmm. they're set up on humans and human systems. So they continue to mess up and you go. And so you can read throughout human history and yeah. see the wreckage and carnage. And mostly it's people with power yep. leveraging their power on other people for their pleasure and gain, yep. right? Yep. At the expense of someone else. Yep. So some people are starving because other people have an abundance, yeah, right? Yeah. That's the economy of a broken world. Yeah, and yeah. so it's pretty easy to go. The reason it's this way is because we live in not the world God orchestrated. Yeah, so we got two kingdoms, kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. So what's the solution? Well, throughout history, they kept going, God, we, we can't perform correctly. We can't do it. What do we do? We're not going to be saved. What yeah. do you require of us? Yeah. And even in my case, it says, you know, there's three things. I want you to love justice or seek mercy and, and walk humbly with yeah. God. In other words, that there is something about your role in participating in justice, right? Yeah. There's something about if those there are needs in this world, what God wants us to do is respond to those needs. And they yeah, keep yeah. going, okay, we'll do that. And then they don't do it. And so you go, yeah. so what a nation that can fix this? Yeah. It wasn't judges that can fix this. It wasn't any kind of governmental systems that can fix this. So what in the world is going to fix it? Yeah. No, God always promised that he would send a solution. And so what he does is he sends his son to actually ignite and bring in the kingdom of heaven. We're going to talk about this week. Yeah, yeah. The uh, inaugural eschatology, the study of the end times in terms of Jesus as Lord and King. Mm-hmm. So for he's come and he's established it. But what he actually does is the way by which he establishes this kingdom, this is so amazing to me, is he actually gives us ownership and partnership in it again. The same way he gave mm-hmm. it to Adam and Eve. So the way that they messed it up, he's now going to redeem and he's going to invite us back yeah, into yeah. his work. That's cool. And yeah. you go, but we can't do that. We can't fix it. Look, we have this long history of not meeting the needs of people and not seeking justice and not walking humbly. How in the world are we going to do this, right? So God created humans to partner with him, Adam and Eve. And the way by which he created Adam is he breathes life into him. So God then is going to establish his coming kingdom, which is the opposite of the kingdom of earth, right? So brilliant that the kingdom of heaven now stands in direct opposition to the kingdom of earth or what I'd call the kingdom of Satan, right? And so you go, well, how in the world is he going to solve that through the kingdom of heaven? Well, his plan, this is so profound, is to actually do it through his church. His church, the, his church. And so, but he knows that we can't do it. So the way by which his church is empowered, you see it. The church is actually ignited by him breathing breath through yeah. his Holy Spirit into us. So the church empowered by the Holy Spirit is his solution for the kingdom of heaven actually taking place on earth. So mm-hmm. let me just be very blunt here. I believe that the reason that people starve is because the church has not actually operated mm-hmm. in the way that they were supposed to. Yeah. They are the kingdom of heaven agents. So if there is kingdom of earth stuff happening around us, it is because there's darkness around it. It's because we haven't brought the light to the places it's supposed to go. So this isn't to create shame, but it is to help us understand that the God of the universe wants to partner with us to do those things. Now, it's his underwriting. It's his resources. But for some reason, he's chosen us. And so when we think about starvation, when we think about trafficking, mm-hmm. when we think about all those things, we think God's solution to that problem has always been the church. Yeah. So when we look at whatever the problems in our world, you don't go, why is the government not doing it? Not that kind sure. of stuff. You go, that was God's plan to fix through the church. So political organizations can't solve this. We can quit yelling at him. We can yell at them and we can quit being disappointed when they don't meet our expectations. They are not set up to solve the brokenness of our world because the only one who can is Christ and his bride. So I would say God's plan is still to bring hope and healing and food and sustenance to all these people. And the way by which he does it is through his church. So why is it happening right now? Because the church is impotent and not walking in the confidence and the power that they should. Now, this isn't to bring shame and guilt on us, but it's to bring hope. Let me just give you a a very specific statistic. If just the church in America, just the church in America, and we'll get back to this stewardship thing, get back to Malachi, this idea of a tithe, bringing your 10%. That's not what I'm going to ask you to do. But if the church just did that, like they did in the Old Testament, Old Testament people did that. There was yeah. a, they actually did about 23.5% because all these temple taxes. But if, yeah. if the church would just bring the tithe like it did in the Old Testament, now that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, yeah. now that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, if just the American church would do that, it would solve all the poverty. Really? Is that specific to America? Right? Yeah, right. yeah, wow. yeah. Right That's now. Remarkable. Every bit, if just the church in America yeah, would yeah. would tithe 10% of what God's interest them, it would, and it would it would solve every bit mm-hmm. of, you now we'd have to figure out how the how those things get to the right place sure. and how yeah. does the Holy Spirit actually do those things. Yeah. But the, the resources just for 10% of yeah. the American 
Christian church yeah. would solve those problems. By the way, there'd be no more malaria, and there'd be there'd be enough. You know, the, we would solve AIDS and sh- homelessness and all sorts of things if just the church would dump its resources. So the thing isn't the reason that this is such a broken world and why there's starvation is because there is an imbalance yeah. of resources. Yeah. And you go, well, why doesn't God balance out those resources? He will. And what we're seeing right now is the coming kingdom that will eventually be established. And so we are now beginning to live in heaven by the way we participate in that. So you and I, hate to put blame on us, right, are the reason that they're hungry people because we have resources that got to meet those needs. And that goes back to, you know, if you worry about food, then you will pour it up on it. Yeah. Like what you're talking about earlier in the sermon, like we are filling our closets and filling all of these things with extra because... It all goes back to that anxiety yeah. and fear that God will not provide that, you know, uh, and even in yeah. our anxiety and fear in that can then produce these systems where these things are happening in some ways. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. here's what happens. We hear this and we go, oh no, we got to do something here. Here's some bags of rice, right? Yeah, they just yeah. pour them into the church. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we built this broken system where we go, we don't know how to distribute this. Yeah, yeah. So God doesn't just want you to be the givers of these resources. Yeah. He wants you to be the distributors of this resource. So this isn't, yep, church, CLC, you're right. God wants to use the church. No, no, no. CLC is a a group of people called for a purpose that happen to gather occasionally in a building. This is not the the solution. You and I are the solution. And so until we hear this and take personal ownership in it, I don't think this gets solved. Yeah. Right, But now, all of a sudden, if we, you and I, take personal ownership, we can't solve it all. Yeah. But we can at least be the justice that's coming in to our neighbor. Like I'm just hearing about a Bible study at our church right now who's just found out about a family of four, that, mm. you know, a single mom that doesn't have the resources. And they're yeah. going, we can be, we can be those resources. Yeah. We have enough here. And so it's more of us doing that. So, yes, there's pain and sorrow in this world because of the kingdom of earth and the systems in it. Same reason there's cancer. Yeah. Same reason there's death and you know, destruction. Yeah. And yet, you can hear, God came to set up his kingdom. Yeah. And it's going to happen. And it's going to happen to his spirit working to his people. So yeah. really long sermon on a very short question, but that's yeah. what I think. No, that's yeah. good. I appreciate it. Thanks for asking there. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh, I was going to jump towards kind of the, the response that Jesus has yeah. to his metaphor. Mm-hmm. But did you have anything else the first that you wanted to share Kind of yeah, yeah, I do actually. Yeah, thanks, yeah, yeah. For, thanks for doing that. And so uh, so you see he, him tell this, and then he talks about just our... So he first hits on uh, f- food and hunger. But then he's going to hit on another one, which I really, really appreciate because it's control, yeah. right? And so food, I mean, not food and hunger, food and clothing. Yeah. And okay. then he's going to hit on control because then he offers what I think is... One of the most helpful and challenging passages, which of you by worrying can add a single moment of your life, yeah. right? Like that you can add a second. So he's literally going, all of you are trying to control something, mm-hmm. but there are just things outside of your control. So the first response to so much of this is most of our provision is outside of our control. Mm-hmm. In fact, any part of the provision that you think is inside your control is still an illusion to you. Yeah. Because control really is an illusion. Yep. It really is an illusion. It is all gift. And so Jesus is going to really challenge his disciples to go, you are not in control. So one of the things I just said is there's the reason there's hunger is because of you and I, right? And it's going, oh, am I controlling that? Fix? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. So let me just double down on this thought that is actually the spirit who's in control. But the way that the spirit manifests his work in this world is through us. Yeah. So... Our responsibility is to hear from God and do what he says. And so as you hear these scriptures, what I certainly hope happens is that you don't think that you are the solution on your own, but that you go, no, I can't fix this. Even CLC can't fix this, but the Holy Spirit who empowers us can. And so he's going to point to the fact that we're not really in control, and so we might as well submit and surrender so the one who is in control has more hands and feet to operate in that way, right? So that's the first thing. And then he uh, then says, and then he says something, this is so really important here because then you can think, well, gosh, this is, this is a lot to think about. Like just mm-hmm. what we went through in terms of hunger, like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, okay. And then he's going to talk about adding time. And then he says something I think is really, really important. He says, and uh, uh, if you then not are able to do a small thing as that. Now, the idea that God, Jesus is saying that adding a a moment in time mm-hmm. to our calendar, like creating it, is very small, yeah. which is beyond supernatural. So you think about this and go, okay, God may very well see starvation as a small thing. He, mm-hmm. That 
I mean, for him, it's like, ah, oh, just speak into existence, use my people, and then it's done. Yeah. And so there is something to think about that God sees these things and is working in these things and wants to do it in us. Yeah. So he's going to, so food and uh, clothing are things, but at one level lower, it's more about our inability to trust God with our security sure, in our future, sure. right? Yeah. And so he's going to hit that, and then he's going to talk about the lilies. And so he's going to just explain how, what happens to those kind of things that are still provided for. They just get thrown in the fire. Yeah. Right? And so how much more we clothe you? And then he says the OU of little faith. Hmm. And that's, a. I mean, I think Jesus creates this word because yeah. he's the only one quoted in, in all the scriptures. And it's oligos, which means few, yeah. and pistos, which means faith. But in this sense, that word faith means more like faithful, those who are faithful. And so what we see here is, if you can imagine kind of a pie chart, yep. that maybe 10% of these disciples have 10% of them is trusting Jesus. Mm-hmm. So he's going, oh, you who have 10% trust in me, or you have 20%. Mm-hmm. And that's why that idea of progressive sanctification and progressive holiness matters, because it's this idea that every day we take steps. Yeah. And as we take steps, our faith grows. And so even with starvation, you can't view it as, i got to solve the problems in the whole sure, world. Sure. You can view it as, I can meet the needs of one person in our community. Yeah, yeah. And as you start to see, you give your resources and God provides you with more resources, what it actually does is it builds your ability to have more faith. Yeah. So what he's kind of addressing here is the fact that these folks are only operating at 10% capacity. Sure, sure. Oh, you are operating on 10% capacity, right? How, that, so he's going, that's the issue that we haven't given all of ourselves or more of ourselves to the mission and faithfulness to Jesus. Yeah. So that's what he's talking about, this little faith thing. Can you talk about, I know before that we started this, you talked yeah. about the alternative of that, which is worry, and you use that Greek word that uh, for the... the oh, yeah, so that's yeah. exactly so. Yeah. And so then in verse 29, right after talking about this, this is so beautiful. He says, and do not seek what you are to eat or what you are to drink. Yeah. And you go, what? Of course you're supposed to. Like, this is everything we've learned. Like, a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. Yeah. It's literally what it says in Thessalonians. That's not even in Proverbs in the Old Testament. That's the New Testament, yeah, right? Yeah. It's been instilled in us. You work hard, boy. Work hard. Work hard, mm-hmm. right? If it's to be, it's up to you, right? And so, you know, this idea of this fear of, you know, laziness. But he tells us not to do that. And then he mm-hmm. says, nor be worried. And that word, uh, worried, and I'm so bad at pronouncing Greek words, it's meteorizo. Just kind of make yeah. them up sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I do. I just, yeah. you know, meteorizo. And so you can hear in that, and it's spelled that way, the word meteor, which yeah. you know is something that's flying through the sky. Yeah. For us, it feels really out of control. In some ways, it is out of control. But that word actually comes from this idea of being suspended in the air. Yeah. So it literally is like, like imagine being strapped to a rope and just dangling to and yeah. fro and just feeling overwhelmed. And I thought that's such an interesting word because I think that actually describes us yeah. so often, like this place of just like just despair and just mm. stuckness, but not like in a stuckness where we're just sitting still. Like we kind of just feel like we're just, you know, wherever the wind blows us, we're just being blown. And we yeah. kept thinking if we can get to that destination or that destination, but we can't quite ever grab it. Yeah. So you imagine this, this, like this is suspended like a trapeze and you're trying to get there and you, instead you're not there. Instead your heart just keeps dropping. You're yeah. just there. And this is what, the, that's how he uses the word that, that uh, to describe it properly. It means suspended in the midair figuratively yeah. to shift from one conviction to another, vacillate, mm wavering like a person living suspended in anxiety if you mm. think about that and think about all the CDC guidelines yeah. and all the different information it is exhausting to know what is true or what to do and yeah. there is so much bitterness what we are literally experiencing is the definition of this yeah. when we don't know what to do and we're not sure who to trust or what to have certainty in yeah. he says nor be worried he is mm. telling us as a command not to live in this state any longer in other yeah. words we cannot live in the state where we're putting our hope and trust and our decisions based on the information out there as much yeah. as Christ is calling us to do some work. Sure. And so he's going, don't worry about those things. You go, okay. But we know that when you, you can't just say, don't worry. Yeah. Right? Like even my kids, yeah, like yeah. especially yeah. Sophie, who's seven, it's not like I can say, just stop, stop, stop thinking about it. Yeah. Right? Stop. Like She's not really capable of just stopping thinking about yeah. it. But what you know what she is capable of? Starting to think about something else. Yep. Right? Hey, like that's that, and parenting knows this, right? This misdirection. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just change the subject kind of and f- turn their focus somewhere else. So exactly. Jesus actually yeah. does that. He knows that we're incapable of just stopping ourselves from being suspended in there. Yeah. Right? I can't make myself stop. So yeah. he goes instead. So that's a, a he, he's going to explain to us this. He says, don't be worried. Just spend there. And then he actually says, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. Mm. So he's going, this is exactly what your culture has done to you. Yep. Your culture and the brokenness of our world has done this to you. 
that brokenness did it to your parents, it did it to their grandparents. There was never a generation that had this right, yeah. right? And so the arrogance of us believing the last generations did it better. We're all broken in this, right? Or the future generations will do it better. We're all broken. He's going, your culture, you can no longer get caught up in the current of this culture. And you go, but I got to eat and drink. Yeah. And then he says, your father knows you need them. Yeah. Like he's not like he, he's aware. He's not like saying you're, you're not going to get food or you're not going to be provided for, but you cannot live in this worry of being dangled. Yeah. You go, how do you fix it? And this is where it says, verse 31, instead. Yeah. Instead. Meaning, you can't just sit there and say, don't think about it, don't think about it. Instead, he wants you to start thinking about something else, which is this, that you are to seek. So he says, don't seek after the things of the world, which is what we do. Don't seek after those things. But you can't just stop seeking and do nothing. you got to start seeking somewhere else. Yeah. This is why many people like the word repentance to mean to do a 180. It literally mm-hmm. means to change the way you think and then eventually change your behavior as a yeah. result. Or maybe immediately change your behavior as a result. But this is kind of that. You can't seek this anymore. Instead, you got to seek Redirection, this. Like yeah. literally, it's we have to start seeking something else. Yeah. And so Jesus' hope for us in dealing with fear and anxiety all is tied into our ability to pursue his kingdom. Yeah as opposed to those things. And he goes, if you seek these things, those things that you need will come with the kingdom. You know why? Because in the kingdom of heaven, nobody's hungry. Yeah. In the kingdom of heaven, no one lives in pain and sorrow. Yeah. In the kingdom of heaven, people don't live in anxiety. And it will take Jesus establishing his coming kingdom permanently when he comes back for this to be perfect. Sure. But we can start experiencing that now because in the kingdom of heaven, there are no, no more pain and tears and sorrow. Yeah. No, we live in this place that we're not fully there yet. Yeah. But he's saying if you seek those things, those things are taken care of because yeah. your value is in the kingdom of heaven. You have to worry. Your identity is in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. So the things that you're actually looking for are can't actually be found in the things that you're searching for. And he goes, let me finally tell you where you find these things. So he's going, you've opened all the wrong doors. All I'm telling you to do is open the right door. And right on the other side, you're going to find all these things. And so that's what he tells us is that the solution to all these things, so profound, is in the kingdom of heaven. So Luke, we're 60 uh, uh, weeks in, 12 chapters in. And finally, again, Luke's going to go, this whole kingdom I'm telling you about actually solves all these problems. So it's pretty brilliant to go, this thing I keep teaching on that you can have certainty in is actually the solution to to all your problems. So this is crazy that we can say like completely that the solution to every single one of our problems, Hmm. every single one of them, every single one of your problems is found in the kingdom of heaven. So that's what he's inviting us into. And so that isn't like it. It's this promise and this confidence that we get to live in now. And that's why it's so important that we see the kingdom of heaven as not someplace that eventually we'll get to, but something that Jesus brought with him and then invited us into. And that's been a reoccurring thing that you've come back to a lot in this series. And I appreciated how you mentioned, like, unfortunately, we don't get to experience it in the fullness of its glory right now. We're still existing in a broken world. However, we can still experience kind of the kingdom culture and kind of the peace and and all the stuff that is associated with the kingdom today. Yeah. And so here's what's crazy. I'm experiencing it more every single day. Yeah. I'm experiencing more of the kingdom of heaven today than I did yesterday. And then the day before that. And this last year has been a year where that has grown in increments. Now, I told you, I hadn't fixed all my problems. There's still all sorts of problems, but every day I can experience more of the kingdom of heaven. And so it is genuinely possible for that to be an incremental in incremental growth every single day. Not like two steps forward, one step back. I mean, maybe we fall in that. But in terms yeah. of what God wants to offer us is heaven here. And every day you can experience that. And this yeah. is why N.T. Wright, Surprised by Hope, is so helpful in terms of the picture of resurrection and what it does and what it makes available to us now, right? And so it's so important to understand we can live a resurrected life mm. and that we actually get to participate. And the way by which this place starts to look more like heaven mm. is actually as we start to seek this, God does it in us. And as yeah. he does it in us, guess what happens? It flows through us. This yeah, is the conduit yeah. thing. God puts the kingdom of heaven in you. You seek the kingdom of heaven and it goes in you. Yeah. And then it goes out through us. So we literally can participate in helping more people see this as we seek it more. Yeah. Just profound. No one yeah. t- no one told me this growing yeah. up. It's like, don't do those things. God's mad. Do those things. That makes God happy. And one day it'll be better. 
Yeah. Like, like, okay, well, what do I think about then? Yeah, well, I yeah. guess I'm going to think about the same thing everybody else thinks sure, about. Sure. Food and clothing and identity. No, 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 yeah. no. You got plenty of stuff to think about. Look around and figure out how to pursue the kingdom of heaven yeah. and go get in on it. Maybe you get to be the kingdom of heaven that guy walking down the side of the road right yeah. now, right? Maybe you get to be the kingdom of heaven as that car that's broke down. Or maybe you're seeing someone not be able to pay the bill right in front of you at the grocery store yeah. and going, oh, I can cover that. Like, we now are looking with our eyes open to participate in the kingdom of heaven now. Yeah. And what he tells us is if we'll do it we'll personally experience more of those things hmm. for us now yeah. so there is this this uh, mutually beneficial thing where it's beneficial to those around us and it's beneficial to ourselves sure. because the kingdom of heaven is good for everyone yeah so, so uh, you're kind of hitting up on hitting the point that i was going to talk about or yeah. the question i was going to ask is like hey if we're watching right now we're like what does it look like to to get involved to, to seek the kingdom of heaven does that mean going to church more or does that mean like just watching overtime yeah. more which hey thanks for being here yeah. uh what a, so is it where's that more kind of hey in these pockets or moments yeah. in our day we can seek it just through in our interactions with people and how we engage just like with life in general yeah. do you want to speak a little so bit this is that? where jesus is so brilliant yeah because that very natural question is probably the same question they have wait wait you tell us to seek the kingdom of heaven right now and because he says fear not little flock Again, mm-hmm. 365 times that, that, 65 times that command, fear not, little flock, shows up. For it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So when you seek it, he's going to give it to you. Yeah. So either we don't trust God or we are and uh, do. And if we do, we'll do that and we'll see more and more of it. So I double-dog you to try it. And they go, well, how do I know? How do I do that? How? Okay, now I'm in. Now this is where the hook gets a little bit awkward yeah. because he's now going to, Draw a line between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth and how our identity and our value and our comfort and security come from. It should all come from the kingdom of heaven, but we haven't. We've made it about the earthly things. Mm. And that's where, if you want to go, how do I do it? Well, he tells us. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) People are hungry. You have extra, right? Uh, Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old Mm. with a treasure in heaven that does not fail. So he is saying, if you can imagine this, he's saying there is a stock that will continue to grow and you should invest everything you have into that stock. Mm. Now, you know if you invest in a stock, like whatever it is, you're putting money into something that you get no benefits for right now, mm. right? You buy the cryptocurrency, you do that. And a lot of these cryptocurrencies, like Dogecoin, I've been watching it. I've been watching I actually had some for a while, but I got rid of it. And so just because I was focused too much on it and then made some money, but not yeah. like a ton. Yeah. And that's why it's like, I can't think about this anymore. Just so. <laughs> but what you do when you buy stock is you literally take your resources and put them into that, yep. and then you hope one day it'll return something. Same thing yeah. with like a certificate of deposit. You invest in something and hope that someday there'll be a return. And he's yeah. going, this is what's brilliant. When you invest in this, you get to reap the benefits of it now and in the future. Yeah. So you get the dividends now, and you get the you know compound interest later, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. So it's so brilliant. And so he goes, the way by you do that is you now put your effort, your energy, your investments into something that won't grow old where treasure cannot be destroyed. Yeah. So he tells them to sell. That word is different than what we understand. It means to exchange or barter. Okay. So he literally is saying, replace those things. So exchange or barter. You take some, one thing and you exchange it for something else. Mm. So replace those things with the kingdom of God. Well, how do you do that? Simultaneously, as you are investing in the kingdom of heaven right here, meeting the needs of others, God is and planting more of the kingdom of heaven in us. So there is this simultaneous transaction. And so when he says sell your possessions, that word sell literally means exchange. Possessions means your resources. Uh, It's actually, I told everybody, that's the word thesario or whatever. Same word we get for thesaurus, which is just a database of words, right? Probably a a bad definition for why it became a thesaurus, but it's that. So if you can imagine your inventory of everything, he's going, take the inventory that you've invested in the kingdom of earth, your comfort, your security, your safety, and take those things and therefore invest them in the kingdom of heaven so yeah. guess what that means that really does mean you have less stuff in your pantry yeah that does mean you have less uh, clothes in your closet right because those things have just bogged you down and instead you start to put them into the kingdom and as you put them in the kingdom what you will see i promise you i promise you you will start to see and reap the benefits of that now so it's yeah. gone the way that you actually get to know if you're doing this is by participating mm-hmm. and then experiencing it so i just would say for at least a week, try it. Yeah. A month, try it. And so what I'll talk a little bit more about how the church can do this collectively through giving because I keep saying the church doesn't want your money, but there is something about pulled resources yeah. focused in a specific direction. And so we'll talk a little bit about this week, but you don't need the church, CLC, to do that. God has given you those things yeah. to be distributors of it. So you actually get to do that now. So you can go, do I believe in the kingdom of heaven? Am I living it? And he goes, you can do that. And as that happens, the fear and anxiety of those things you would think would increase because yeah. you have less stuff. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. But then it decreases. And so, but the problem is all this is experiential. Yeah. Uh, experiential. Yeah, there it is. Because you, it's not something you just, it's not philosophical. Like sure. you actually have to do this to experience it. And so I just would say, what do you have to lose? Yeah. A little bit of money? Some clothes? Yeah. Some food? Now exchange that for the kingdom of heaven? That yeah. seems like a pretty good exchange. Yeah. yeah. And in the same way, I feel like in the act of doing that, they are uh, learning to do the one thing that they weren't doing well at the first place, which is trusting yeah. God yeah. with with that. There's lacking of resources, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's very fascinating that Jesus' invitation to respond yeah. would be the very thing they need to do, which is trust yeah. him more with their value, their identity, but then also uh, with you know their yeah. needs and stuff. So. so think about this. So then he gives us this big crescendo for where your treasure is, yeah. there your heart will be also, mm. right? Where your treasure is. I'm sorry, that word treasure, not possessions. That's where I messed it sure. up. Uh, possessions are what you already have. The resource you already have. Treasure is where the word thesaurus comes in. So okay. that's, sorry about that. Uh, so where your treasure is, that's where your heart is as well. And we've always heard that. They go, see your treasures in the wrong place. We've always seen this as a rubric to define our treasure, like that our heart's broken, right? Yeah. You love your money. That's yeah. where we always see it. See, you love your money. And the love of money, which is the root of all evil. So this we've always seen as a diagnosis. Sure, sure. But I would challenge us to think of it as an action step, Okay. right? So instead of seeing it as a diagnosis to reveal that your heart is in the wrong things, it actually is like a, a very intentional next step of going, I'm going to place these things there because I really want my heart to be there. Yeah, so yeah. you want your heart to be in the kingdom of heaven? You're going, I really want to do it. There is no way to be, put your heart in the kingdom of heaven without putting your things and possessions in the kingdom of heaven too. Sure. So this is not a diagnosis as much as it is a, a, a practice or a practice, yeah. right? And so you go, well, how do I do this? Well, there is only one way. You, you want your heart in the kingdom of God. Well, how do I get my heart in this? How do I get my heart in it? The only way to get your heart in the kingdom of God is actually to put your things there. Yeah. So put your money, you put your time, you put your energy, you put those things you possess and those things you treasure yeah. and you pick them up and you put them in the kingdom of God. Not that, not for, so this will be revealed to you because you actually are saying, God, I want to be in the kingdom of heaven. Well, pick up your junk because your yeah. heart's tied to it yeah. and take it there. Take your heart into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. That's what we're seeing there. So there's this, this actual benefit and like specific call to action that I can grab my pantry and go yeah. today my heart's gonna be put in the kingdom of god yeah. as i'm taking this food and meeting the need of someone all of a sudden you just put a little bit more of your heart into the kingdom yeah, of god that's, so, so yeah that's awesome very practical step too um for anyone watching and just yeah. really things that we can we don't have to wait to yeah. start down yeah. the road or anything like that yeah so if you imagine if you imagine a stick between your heart which in this sense 800 times it shows up in the scriptures it yeah. always means the essence of your being right yeah. so eight, if you imagine a, your heart tied to all your stuff hmm. so wherever your heart goes it goes with it but the other thing is, wherever your things go, your heart goes with it. Oh, that's good. So the way you imagine, they're just deeply connected to one another. And I'll show this a little bit more on Sunday. Yeah. They're deeply connected to one another. And so if you really want to get your heart someplace and your heart's not in it, you know, my heart's not in it. Yeah. Well, then take your things and put it in it. And guess what the Bible says? Yeah. Your heart has no choice but to go with it because yeah, really they are together. And so this really is a very practical way of going, I'm not quite ready. To, I don't feel like doing this. Well, I don't care if you feel like doing yeah, it. Sure. If you know it's the right thing and you long to be in the kingdom of heaven, start putting your heart in it. I'd go, yeah. maybe a really nice next step is if you've never trusted God with your money, Start trusting with that. Yeah. Well, how do you do that? Well, you can at least trust it with the church who's in the middle of this. Yeah. And I promise you will be a good dollar uh, steward of every single penny that comes through here. Yeah. And yet, that's not the goal of this message. God doesn't want your treasure. He wants your heart. Yeah. And, but your treasure and your heart always go to the same places. Yeah, that's so. really good. I've never heard yeah. that before. Um, we are getting close to the end here, so I uh, want to ask this last question. What, you know, if you could send someone off with one thing to think about, or at least something to think about as we're approaching, kind of getting closer to the end of the series, uh, what, what, how would you kind of wrap it up? What's the bow, I guess, we're going to put on top of this for today? Um, my, if there is a bow. Yeah, I don't, what, what I would say is that this all has to do with experience, hmm. right? And so, which is so interesting because many of us grew up in church where we thought it would be about changing our minds. I even say renovate your mind. And renovate your mind, you got to change the way you think. But as a result of change what you think, there should be some actions. And this is one of the places where I would challenge us to think. Maybe it's not first changing the way we think. Yeah. Maybe changing our actions will change the way we think, yeah. right? So this is one a little bit different because Malachi tells us we can actually test God on this. Yeah. And he says, see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour my blessings. So I usually almost say, it always starts with a change of your mind, yeah. unless your mind just is stuck. And if you can't get your mind, like it's like, uh, you know, moving a boat. Yeah. You can't move a boat until, it, like you can't turn it or anything until it starts moving, same yeah. in the car. And so some of this is going, maybe I can't quite 
get there and I'd go, well, maybe it starts then with your your behavior and your actions. Sure. And as you do those things, because your treasure, if you're taking your treasure, your heart's going with it. It can't help but move you and therefore yeah. change the way you think. And so I think for many of us, we've had this philosophical thought about this. And I think God is calling us to a very direct next step. Yeah. Meet a need, figure out where your possessions can participate in the kingdom of heaven, and then be a scientist who observes what happens in and around you as that happens. Yeah. So do the work. And then pause to reflect on it. Yeah. Instead of reflect and do the work. This yeah. one doesn't go, what would it look like if we did it backwards here? Yeah. Do the work and then pause to reflect on it. And that, in fact, and Paul actually says it this way. In view of God's mercy, this is Romans 12, 1. Mm. This is when I wrap up with it again. So I didn't do a good job on Sunday. Here I am again, wait until last second. In view of God's mercy, what Jesus did to free us from yeah. the kingdom of earth. And offer us the kingdom of heaven. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, for this is your spiritual. That word spiritual literally means logical act of yeah, worship. Yeah, yeah. So he is saying, logically, what makes sense is that you offer yourselves. Yeah. So offer your heart. I guess where your heart's connected to, your things. In view of God's mercy, offer those things as a living sacrifice. There is a level of sacrifice that's required here. Yeah. There's a level of sacrifice. This isn't just given, you know, what you don't, just the stuff on the excess. It's like, how do I make a sacrifice? In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living mm-hmm. sacrifice holy and pleasing for that's your spiritual or logical act of worship and then it says do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind this is one of the places yeah so you see the action and then you see the renovation so so I just would say this is one of the interesting things that the way by which we do this is worship that's where our worry goes away so you choose worship and your worry fades but the way that you worship is offering yourself and your heart and your treasure and then what happens is you're no longer caught up in the patterns of this world and guess what happens the renewing of your mind transforms it. So usually, almost always, I talk about the renewal and the renovation of your mind first. But I think in this sense, it may be worthwhile thinking about taking your heart and your things, which are connected together, into the the needs of this world, bringing the kingdom of heaven with you, and then watching what happens in your mind and heart and your soul. Which is perfect if you think about like the audience you're speaking to or those who are worrying and fear, you know, driven and anxious about all these things. So if we take the step first, see what God does in the wake of that. That's really cool. It's really awesome. Good uh, point to finish up on. We're we're continuing this series this weekend. Really excited about it. Uh, Did you want to give any heads up? Yeah, if this intrigues you, there's going to be even more. I'll I'll cover a little bit of what I just covered there. You'll see the connection of the heart and and the treasure this week as you see us get ready for the coming kingdom. Yeah. Both the kingdom that's already here and the kingdom he's going to establish is this really crazy, weird uh, parable. And so if this intrigues you at all, I promise you, it's going to be really neat. And it's going to be one of those parables when we yeah. first read you go, I don't know where this is going. It's like, ah, this is how brilliant he is. Yeah. So do what you must to, to tune in or come connect with us. It will be worth your time. And I certainly think it will bring Jesus' teaching on all this home yeah. this week. So, so this Sunday, yeah. be sure to join us for that. And just another reminder, skate night tomorrow night. If you want to skate with us, bring some extra food, a great practical way yep. to share your resources at our sharing table at yep. the corner. And last thing I'll say is, Ben, if you are watching this, I hope we did good. I hope you're proud of us. Anyway, you guys have a fantastic week. We'll see you this Sunday.